Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Friday, April 2nd, 2021. This is Shannon, and tonight I am hanging out with Brooke, Melissa, and Natalia, and we are talking about the wonderful world of mysteries and thrillers. I seem to be on this, like, really broad genre kick for episodes lately, because last week we had a really long fantasy episode. Now we have a mystery thriller episode, so we'll see what we have coming up next. Anyway, I'm going to get started with the usual housekeeping information, and then I will turn it over to Brooke, followed by Melissa, then me, and lastly, Natalia. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. So the first book that I'm going to talk about tonight is Eight Perfect Murders by Peter Swanson. And this book is about a bookseller named Malcolm. And he works for, I'm pretty sure it's called The Old Devil's Bookshop, which I thought was a pretty awesome name for a bookshop that sells like kind of like thrillers and mysteries that people, it's like hard to find. So um, one day the FBI come to him and there are some murders that are happening and they've noticed that there's a link between the murders and this old um, blog post that he had posted for the bookshop several years prior. And it was called Eight Perfect Murders. So it listed, um, he went through the different books within the thriller and mystery genre and he kind of picked out the books that had like the perfect murders so there's like the abc murders by agatha christie um i think there was stranger on a train by i can't remember who it is um so it's like books such as that and so the FBI have like linked these murders to this. And then Malcolm finds out that one of the people that has been murdered is somebody that he knows. So that kind of gets things a little bit. He, it piques his interest, but it also gets him on the suspect um, list. So they're suspecting him, but at the same time, they're kind of using him as a consult, a consult, consultant, sorry, because of this blog post that he wrote. So the book was really cool because you got, um, he not only talked about the plots of these books that I actually have never read, I've heard of them, but I've never read them. But he also kind of talked about almost the history, or at least he gave you some knowledge about the genre 
So there, I learned a lot about the genre that I didn't know. So this is Eight Perfect Murders, and it's by Peter Swanson. Awesome. It was good. Like, I really liked how it talked about books, and I liked how it gave you some information about the genre. Like, I honestly didn't know a lot of the stuff. I've changed one of my books, so, because I just read this one. It is The Upstairs House by Julia Fine. It starts with this lady, um, and she's just had a baby. The baby's two weeks old. Her name is Clara. And she's having lots of trouble breastfeeding. Um, she's having trouble with her sleeping at night. Then somehow she gets connected with the Goodnight Moon author, Margaret Wise Brown. And apparently she lives in the apartment upstairs or the house upstairs. So there's a lot of, of talk about Ms. Brown and there's a lot of talk about how she is seeing her. And it tells you in the book that Ms. Brown has been deceased for years. Um, and so she has this really long, strange relationship with Ms. Brown while she's trying to figure out how to pump her breast milk and how to feed her baby. Um, I don't want to tell you anymore, but I, cause I don't want to spoil it, but I suspected there was lots of postpartum depression and psychosis in this book. So it was pretty interesting on how they portrayed the apparition of the Good Night Moon author and how they talked about the book. It was one of my favorites too as a kid. So that is The House Upstairs by Julia Fine. F-I-N-E. I saw like this book. <laughs> sounds like a neat book. But my problem would be like that. It would be, I, I, I would have a problem with the apparition. <laughs> yes 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 <laughs> it is very I creepy saw this when it first came out and i couldn't decide if it would be good or if it would be like too ghosty for me it's a little too ghosty for you <laughs> oh that is too yeah, ghosty it probably for is. Me. <laughs> <laughs> all right so my first book tonight is by an author that i've known about for a really long time like probably 12 years or so, and never read until just a few weeks ago. So this is The Black Widow by Wendy Corsi Staub. It is listed as part of her social media series, but her series books don't necessarily seem to be connected. At least this one doesn't, except for the fact that they all have to do with social media. So this one I read perfectly fine as a standalone before I realized that it was part of this like collection of books dealing with social media. So this book, I think, is one of the most chilling 
mystery slash thrillers that I've read in a long time. And I read a lot of these. So I think I've kind of gotten to the point where it's hard to scare me, but this one really actually did. It put me in mind of some of the early romantic suspense that I started reading, like some of the older Sandra Brown, Nora Roberts. Um, that's just kind of how the, the writing made me feel. So this is the story of Gabby and she is newly divorced. She and her husband, Ben, lost a child and that kind of wrecked their marriage. Gabby had a really hard time with the grief process and she just didn't want to be married. She wanted to be left alone. So she and Ben have divorced. And now both Gabby and Ben are hanging out on this dating website called Intune. The problem is someone else is hanging out on this website too, and they are not doing anything very nice there because this person has a plan and I can't tell you what the plan is, but it is a very diabolical plan indeed. So they have this plan and they meet people on this website. They trick them into going on a date. And then this person is never seen again, whoever they are. They are abducted. They are taken to this person's house where they stay for approximately three months. And then they are buried alive. And this is absolutely no good. So I cannot tell you more than that without giving things away that you don't want me to give away. But I will say that both Gabby and Ben kind of come into this person's sphere and that is no good for anybody. So I highly recommend this, especially if you're looking for something that will really freak you out, which sometimes I am. This is The Black Widow, and it is by Wendy Corsi Staub. It sounds awesome. It's so scary. Wow. <laughs> I that knew I liked that good. for some reason. <laughs> and a little demented. Uh, yeah, burying people alive tends to be a little demented. Yes, it does. <laughs> so this is Do Your, Do No Harm by Christina McDonald. And this book, this author, like ever since her de debut novel, um, when Olivia fell, is it called? Or before Olivia fell? The night. Um, the night Olivia fell. Is is just like every book is just as good. I can't even pick. And, and they're all so different. And I just wish that she would release more than one book a year. Hint, hint. So this <laughs> book is about, you know, where have you guys heard Do No Harm? Doctors. Exactly. So this book is about a doctor. And her name is Emma. And she loves her life. She's married to a soul, her soulmate. He's a police detective. She's the mother to a five-year-old. Um, she's practicing medicine and having the career that she wants and she's a doctor at a local hospital but everything inevitably as it does in thrillers comes crashing down when her son josh is diagnosed with an extremely rare form of leukemia or cancer i guess we can say but yeah it is leukemia it is leukemia so, yeah determined to save him emma makes a very risky decision to use her uh, clout as a doctor to sell opiate opioids to fund his treatment because as 
you all probably know cancer treatments are crazy, crazy expensive. So what happens, obviously, somebody ends up dead. Then ensues a game of cat and mouse. Her own husband is leading the chase, trying to find the person who's selling the opioids, and it's actually her. So this becomes, this goes from saving, saving her son's life to lies, murder, scandal. But the question is, will the truth catch up to Emma before she can save her son? And will she be able to save him? If you would like to know, you should pick up Do No Harm by Christina McDonald, which really shows us what are you made of and what are you willing to do for those that you love? Are you willing to sacrifice everything? So my next book is Shiver by (gasps) Ali Reynolds. And this is a debut novel for her. And also it's called, which I never heard of, but it's called A Locked Room Mystery. So this year was the first year that I'd ever heard of it because I heard of it in like a reading challenge that I'm doing. We had to read A Locked Room Mystery and I'd never heard of them. So I was really interested. So this book is about a group of friends and well, they're, I guess they're more acquaintances than friends, but they were friends back in the day. So they're a bunch of people that met at a snowboarding training camp. And they're all like, they were used to be elite snowboarders. So it was really neat to learn about snowboarding and about the whole sacrifices you make as an athlete. And it was really interesting to um, learn about um, kind of the competitions. So I learned a lot about that. And I learned a lot about the different like snowboarding moves that they can do. So this is about a group of people that know each other. And their names are Mila, who is going to be, who's like the narrator of the book. Um, We also have Heather and her husband that I can't remember the name of right now. Then we have Curtis and we have Brent. And Curtis's sister was also part of this group, but 10 years ago, she went missing. And this also kind of signifies the time when the five of them kind of broke apart as friends. Something happened 10 years ago that caused all of them problems. So they all show up at this villa in the French Alps, which I was so jealous of because I would love to be there. It just sounded so gorgeous in the mountains. And it also, it was winter, so you probably wouldn't want to be there in winter, but it looked, it sounded gorgeous because I love winter. So they're in the Alps and they're at this villa. So they all show up and they all have, they find out that they've all been given invitations and they don't know who's invited them. And as they're unpacking and all this stuff, they're walking around the villa and they're realizing there's no staff. Like nobody is staffing this place. It's just these group of friends. And at the same time, they had been brought over by these like cable cars, but now the cable cars aren't working. So they're stuck on the mountain. Um, So they're stuck here. And then as they're walking around also and like getting a tour of the place, they realize that their cell phones have been stolen. 
and <laughs> their phones, like the phones in like the office of this place, the reception area, like everything, like all phones in the whole villa have been taken. So they have no way of communicating with the like the, with the world off of the mountain. And then they find this, they find like a basket or something with has a bunch of papers and it's kind of like, um, it has it's like this game that there's an icebreaker that's kind of going on where they talk about like, what is something that you've done that nobody, that nobody knows about? Like what are something really bad that happened? So none of them have actually filled out these papers, but somehow it's filled with all these papers and all these answers. So somebody goes through and they read some of the answers and then there's stuff like so-and-so kissed somebody, um, so-and-so knows what happened to Saskia, which is um, Curtis's sister. Um, and like just different secrets like this that nobody really wants to know. So as you can tell, this is probably really stressful. So people are pretty upset that they're stuck and they don't know why. So they really, it's, I liked how the book, it kind of goes back and forth between 10 years ago when they were at this training camp and then now. So you kind of get a picture of like what happened and like you kind of start to get an idea of what kind of person Saskia was. Like she was very um, scheming. She was very much a schemer. She was hyper, hyper um, competitive. So she would do things to cause an injury or to cause something to happen so that she would get ahead of things. So it was really, it was like, it was, it was kind of like, I know these things happen in these high competitive um, venues. But at the same time, you're like, oh my God, I can't believe somebody did that to somebody. So for example, um, one of the escape um, snowboarders, she was doing her, um, like her run. And one of the other competitors dropped a like a black object. So all you know is this black object has like fallen and somehow it caused the um, the snowboarder to wipe out and she broke her femur, which meant that she was out for the season. And we find out oh. that it was Saskia and Saskia dropped. She would do stuff like that to people. Or one of the other competitors, Saskia like dropped, made, made her um, snowboard fall into like a crevice so that they couldn't get it. It was like 30 feet down. And so they couldn't like rescue her snowboard. So just kind of like you learned about Saskia and what kind of person she was. So a lot of times you're wondering, could it be Saskia who did this or um, could it be somebody else? Because they also talk about a couple other people that were part of the group back then. Um, so they talk about a guy named Julian. They talk about a woman named Odette. So the story with Odette is that she was a hyper um, competitive with them. Um, but then she ended up some kind of injury happened and she broke her neck. So she was paralyzed from the, from the neck down because of an injury she got snowboarding and so 
she didn't get um, invited to this villa. So we're kind of wondering, could it be her? Could it be Julian? Could it be Saskia? Like, or could it be one of the people, like one of these five friends that are like together? And you really, it's really hard to figure out who it is. Like you kind of have an idea. Like, I think I've figured it out like partway through, but I kind of was like, could it be or could it not be? So I really liked it. I really, really enjoyed this book. I loved the the atmosphere like the atmosphere release and like the environment really was kind of like a character of its own so this is shiver and it's by ali reynolds and i want to read it now i loved it like it was so good wow sounds good (laughs) thank you (laughs) okay my next book is Good Girl, Bad Girl by Michael Robotham. And we have the main character in the book is Cyrus Haven. Yes. Yeah. And he's, he is a forensic psychologist. Right now he's working on a murder that, um, of a, figure skater champion who is in high school but she has like a girl next door kind of reputation and everybody's just surprised that he he has done all of this um and then six years ago someone found a girl they don't know how old she is she won't tell them her name she's filthy half starved and they found her hidden in a secret room well now it's six years later she has a new name it's Evie and she wants to be released as an adult so Cyrus has been called in to evaluate her and to testify in the court case about her and how she is. They still don't know what her original name is. And somehow this whole case with Evie is connected with the figure skater and her murder. And they discover in the meantime that she has had a secret life. So it is Good Girl, Bad Girl by Michael Robotham. I really like him, although I like his um, Joe O'Loughlin. Like the other one better. better. Yeah. 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 So I also have a debut thriller for my next pick. This is Firekeeper's Daughter by Angeline Boley. And this is a pretty awesome book for a number of reasons. Um, The first thing that caught my eye is that it takes place in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, up near um, Sault Ste. Marie. And there are not a lot of books that are set up there. Um, I have a friend who grew up there and it's just not a place that you hear a lot about. So I thought that that was really cool. But also it is an own voices novel that deals with Native Americans and the kind of life on the reservation and how crimes are dealt with there. 
So our main character is a teenage girl named Donis. And she has just graduated high school. She really wants to go to medical school. She's thinking of going to the University of Michigan, which is not too far from where I live. And she's going to play hockey there. And she's also going to do her pre-med and eventually go to medical school. But her mom has a lot of mental health problems and she's super fragile. And so for a series of reasons that I can't really get into without spoiling things, Donis decides to put college on hold for a little while and stay home to help care for her mother. So Donis is half white and half Ojibwe. And so she, her life is kind of broken up between the time that she spends with kind of the white side of her family and the time that she spends on the reservation with her indigenous family. And she doesn't quite feel that she fully fits into either place. She kind of wants to become an enrolled member of the Ojibwe tribe, but she's just not sure like what is ultimately like the right thing to do. Um, her father is someone who has been gone for several years and she just, she doesn't really know where she fits. And then she is approached by an FBI agent and this agent wants Donis to work for him as a confidential informant and to try and figure out who is creating this very unique and dangerous kind of meth that is killing indigenous teens um, all across the Midwest. So Donis kind of goes, not quite undercover, but she's kind of poking around, trying to see what she can find out. And as you might imagine, this is very, very dangerous for her, as well as for people that are close to her. Um, this is an exceptional novel. It's one of those books that you read and you're like, wow, I really, I have a hard time believing this is someone's debut. It's just, it's so smart. The atmosphere is wonderful. I love just the, the sense of place that you get and how much you get to know about life on the, res on the reservation. Also about just living in Michigan's Upper Peninsula. It talks a lot about drugs and addiction and how marginalized populations are often sort of more prone to addiction than a lot of people realize. This was just outstanding in every possible way. I think on Goodreads, when I finished reading this, I said, like, the world needs more books like this. And it is so true on so many levels. So this is Firekeeper's Daughter, and it is by Angeline Bully. I'm definitely going to check this out next or whenever I can get a hold of it, because it sounds like oh, one that should. I should have read by now. So my next book is actually a special request from my mom that I talk about because I read it and I really enjoyed it. And I sadistically gave it to her to read without telling her what it was about. <laughs> and we both loved this book. This book is called The Perfect Wife by J.P. Delaney. And it is nothing that you expect it to be, at least not what I expected it to be. What would you do if you woke up and you didn't remember anything about the last five years of your life and now you're supposedly married to like the king of Silicon Valley? You 
are supposedly Whoa. brought back to life by his technology. You're, you're kind of a robot. You have a young son <laughs> that you, you're supposedly a loving mother about. You're an artist, but you don't remember liking art. And <laughs> this man next to you, he claims to be your husband, but is he your husband? This is Abby's situation when she wakes up with no memory of who she is. And, um, you know, she's apparently an artist, a surfer. She's a perfect wife. She loves her son. And apparently the reason why she is this way is because she had a terrible accident five years ago. And because of a huge technological breakthrough, he's been able to bring her back. So apparently she's been in stasis for five years. That's what it seems like. And now she's a miracle of science. But as Abby pieces together memories of her marriage, she begins to chip at her husband's motives and version of events and wondering, is it true that he wants them to be together forever? What really happened to her half a decade ago? Beware the man who calls you his perfect wife, y'all. So this is The Perfect Wife by J.P. Delaney. And I must say, it's my first book by this author. And it didn't go where I expected it to go. You know how it's always the first, it's always the husband, right? Um, but you're going to have to read to find out if this is the case. There's actually a book that's a thriller called It's Always the Husband. There is. And it's very good. I haven't read it. By Michelle Campbell. I love her. I have read, I think, two or three other books by Delaney. And one of them I loved. Okay. One of them I hated. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's hard to know. So my last book tonight is Win. Windsor. Horn Lockwood III, book one by Harlan Coben. And I just say that Windsor Horn Lockwood III is such a long mouthful of a name. That's why right? I have to say it slowly. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder you said and Winifred. Like, <laughs> and like it's so, it's such a pompous name, and, and it, but it fits, <laughs> it fits our character very, very well. <laughs> so I will honestly admit that when I read the um, Myron Bolitar books, Wynn was always my favorite. Like I always looked for him and I was always hoping that he would play a really significant part in um, Myron's books. So when I found out that he was getting a series of his own, I was so excited because like, honestly, just the things he says, um, the way he says it, like he's just so like dry humor. Um, he's very comfortable with himself. Like he's a very confident man. And like, he uses his money the way that he wants to. And he's not apologetic for it. Like he loves his designer stuff and he, had, he makes no apologies for it. So I just love the way that he is. It's like, I wish I could be that confident. So in this book, um, we meet Wynn's cousin and Patricia, Lock um, Patricia Lockwood, she went missing when she was a teenager and she was locked in a cabin for, I think it was about five months. 
And then now we find out the reason that I mentioned this is because when has been this many years later, when has been contacted by his um, FBI mentor who wants to know why a painting that has Wynn's um, initials on the back of it has been found in the house of a hoarder. So this guy is a recluse and he has died and there is a painting, like a, it's like an original painting that's found with Wynn's um, initials on the back. And then also we find a suitcase with his initials on them. So we find out that Wynn's grandmother bought all of the boy cousins a suitcase that he, she got monogrammed with their name, with their initials on it. And then for the women, of course, it's the grandma. So you can only imagine what it's gonna be, but she got cosmetic <laughs> bags. <laughs> she got her, the, what, the girl cousins all got cosmetic bags with their name, like with their initials monogrammed on it. Of course well, when, when being when, traded his suitcase with Patricia and he took oh. Patricia's cosmetic bag. So when Patricia was kidnapped, she was taken away along with this suitcase. So nobody has seen this suitcase in however many decades since Patricia was um, kidnapped. So now this suitcase has shown up and when is he's quite interested he wants to know like could this person be connected with the uh, kidnapping of his cousin and of course he he's very much a guy who likes to make sure that people he knows don't get treated badly like he wants to get back at the bad guy and then while this is also happening he's interested in like who is this guy and like how did he get our painting because well, when the daughter, like when um, his cousin was kidnapped, this painting, along with another painting, was stolen. And I forgot to mention, but Patricia's father was murdered when she was kidnapped. So, Wynn wants to solve these mysteries and he's investigating. And we discover there is a link between this guy and all these things that have happened. And this um, student, it's like a young group of, what are they called? Radicals. So it's a group of radicals that were labeled to be domestic terrorists and like they did a bunch of bad things. And then, so we kind of get a story of them as well. So you're probably wondering how this is all connected. Well, to find out, you are going to have to read Win, Windsor, Horn Lockwood the Third, Book One, by Harlan Coben. It name still okay. cracks me up. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I will read this. When I first saw the synopsis, um, I was afraid that it was going to be all full of government conspiracies, and I really have a hard time with that. Yeah, um, but I'm okay. going to have to read this. No, it didn't. It was definitely not government. Like, um, there was like government portions, like obviously because it's the FBI and like 
they, right. they did stuff, whatever. But I would definitely not say it's like a political thriller. Okay, good. Okay, my last book tonight is called The Final Girls by Riley Sager. And it tells the story of Quincy Carpenter. Ten years ago, she was a college student. She went on vacation with a group of friends, but she came back alone. They were all murdered. You're saying that so, like, oh, they were all murdered. All murdered. Yes, so matter of fact only. Yes, it's like the fact yeah, you got to put the pause in there because if you say, oh, murdered, you like, ooh, what's coming up next? <laughs> um, and she was rescued in the woods. So it's 10 years later. She has a good life, a fiance, a baking blog, a nice apartment. And then other survivors of massacres of college women start to die unfortunately for them they die one time (laughs) um so the the policeman that saves her starts trying to help her figure out who these why these women have been killed and one of the ladies that has survived something comes to her doorstep and just basically tears her life apart so we're trying to figure out all the twists and turns and why all of these horror movie massacres are happening and why is her life being turned upside down and I know why, but I won't say it. So you'll just have to read The Final Girls by Riley Sager. This was so popular when it first came out, like 2016, I think, or 2017. That's probably why I didn't read it at first. <laughs> I still haven't read it. This was definitely it. the first. This was the first one I read of his, and I liked it. Mm-hmm. All right, so my last pick tonight is a historical mystery. This is The Boy in the Red Dress by Kristen Lambert. And this came out last year. And it's one of those books Mm -hmm. that I kept meaning to read and that I would just like put it, you know, okay, I'll read it. And then something else would come and I would read it instead. So finally, I read this and I'm so, so glad I did. This starts out on New Year's Eve. It's the last day of 1929, and our heroine is a young girl named Millie, and Millie lives with her aunt, and her aunt runs this speakeasy for people who are gay and lesbian. And this, of course, in 1929 New Orleans, you know, people aren't big fans of this, but Millie has grown up um, in a nearby apartment, and she's helped her aunt run this business for the past several years so when her aunt goes out of town she leaves Millie in charge and this is fine Millie is up to the challenge she's pretty sure especially since their headline performer who goes by the name Marion will 
be performing that night. Like Millie's pretty sure it's going to be a busy night. And, you know, she's just, she's happy to be able to help out her aunt. So Marion is a female impersonator. And he is also one of Millie's very best friends. She knows that he left kind of a painful past behind him when he the persona of Marion, but know a lot about what that involves. And so she is very, very unsettled when this really like rich looking young woman comes into the club. Like she's just so well dressed. Her clothes are very fancy. She has all this expensive jewelry on. And this is not how people are usually dressed when they come into Millie's aunt's club, which incidentally is called Cloak and Dagger. So she comes in and she starts asking Millie all these questions about Marion. And she has a picture of him um, looking you know, like himself rather than like the Marion persona. And this makes Millie really uncomfortable. And then later that night, this woman is found dead in the courtyard of the club. It appears she either fell or was pushed from the balcony and of course, all signs point to Marion. So now Millie is desperate to save her friend. She really doesn't think he killed this person, but she also doesn't know who did. And so she starts trying to find out. And it does not always go well for her, as you might imagine. Um, I really liked this. I love things set in the 1920s. And I also really enjoy the presence of LGBTQ characters in historical novels. I think, you know, people like to think that like there weren't gay people until like the 1960s. <laughs> and that is just like so not true. So I'm always really glad to read a historical with fully realized, like well-drawn gay characters. And Millie is bisexual. Um, her bisexuality is handled so nicely here. And it's just, it's a wonderful, yeah. wonderful book. It is The Boy in the Red Dress by Kristen Lambert. And you should read it today, as Sarah would say. <laughs> Sounds really good. So good. So my last book I've been saving because it is the best for last. This book kept me on my toes the entire time and it was my first book read by this author it's called the new husband by dj palmer omg so what makes simon fitch so perfect well he knows all her favorite foods music movies her son adores him he was there when she needed him most and he anticipates her every need he would never betray her like her first husband did Dun, dun, dun. Oh. <laughs> he's the first husband he checks all the he's the perfect husband i'm sorry he checks all the boxes the question is why nina garrity learned that the hard way that her missing husband glenn had really leading a double life with another woman oh but with glenn gone and presumably drowned while fishing on his boat, she couldn't confront him about it or find closure to the life that he blew apart. Now, a year and a half later, Nina has found love again and hopes that she can put the shattered, shattered world Glenn left behind back together again. <laughs> Simon is a widower who is still mm -hmm. grieving the death of his first wife, and he thinks he's found his dream girl. 
and his charms and affection break through to a heart hardened by betrayal, which is Nina's. So Nina's has two kids, a son and a daughter. And while her son Connor embraces Simon like the father he wishes his dad could have been, the, her friends see a different side to him and are not afraid to use the word obsession. And there's a big divide that's come Ooh. between Simon and her daughter. She really wants to believe that her life is coming back together, but she'll soon discover that the greatest danger to herself and the children and her and the children that she has are not people, but the lies people tell themselves. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so this is The New Husband by DJ Palmer. And as I said, it was my first book that I ever read by this author. And it was all the things. Like all the things. I I wow. I and um it was one of the thrillers where I and I know I always say this because I try to talk about thrillers that I can't guess. You know, sometimes thrillers that you can guess are comfortable, but this thriller is so machiavellical that it didn't even occur <laughs> to me at all where it was going. And I that, love that's him just the so best kind much. of thriller. I really liked um saving megan by him yes the, oh i haven't read that one. no sorry that was on my list but i've read another one of his but i can't remember what it was um something about i think the this daughter, is the only one i think this is the only one i've read by him yes and this brings us to the end of a fantastic mystery and thriller episode. Thank you to Melissa, Brooke, and Natalia for so many great books tonight. Now I know what I'll be reading for the next little while. Thanks, as <laughs> always, goes out to Christine for all of her editing. And thank you so much to each and every one of you who joins us as we talk about all these books we love. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, it kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody. Mm-hmm.